But I want to look at one, one more thought as we look at this scripture in John chapter 15. In fact, I'm going to read the whole, the whole context of the story today. So John chapter 15, verse 1. We'll put the scriptures up on the screen for you. The Bible says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And so just as we minister, uh, as, as we read the word, see which, what, what scripture sticks out to you? What's the Holy Spirit dealing with you about as we, as we look at these scriptures? Uh, the Bible goes on to say in verse 3, you're already clean because of the, the word I have spoken to you. And then here's our verse, remain in me also, or as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then verse 5, he goes in to more. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If, I always like to pause anytime there's an if there, this is an if-then statement, right? If you do this, then this will happen. If, right? If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You will bear, it's, a, it's an absolute statement. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. I just lost my page. Hang on. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Verse 7 says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. The whole point is to bear fruit. The whole point of life is to bear fruit. He goes on to say, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. And then verse 10, it's like he kind of changes gears here a little bit. He says, If you keep my commands... You will remain in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Verse 12, my command is this. Y'all love each other. That's what he's saying. Y'all love each other. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. I like that. Jesus, I mean, he's talking to his his guys here, but he's talking to all of us at the same time. Jesus is saying, guys, listen, you're my friends. 
we're, we're not just, you know, servants, you know, kind of relationship. Like, we get each other. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. So he's been talking about fruit the whole chapter, right? And he's like, the whole reason why we're talking about this is I actually want you to go and bear fruit. And not just fruit, he says fruit that will last. Fruit that will last. And that has been our prayer for 2023. We are believing God for fruit that lasts. We want people to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and last. Amen, everyone. We want marriages to get better and get strengthened. And we want them to last. Amen, everyone. We want people free from addictions. And we want that to last. Amen. We want lives to be changed. People to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And we want it to last. That's why we've been teaching a series, Remain in Me, so you can have fruit that lasts. Amen, everyone? I don't know about you, but I don't want to wake up one day and be so far away from God that, that I don't even recognize myself anymore. In fact, we're going to pray, and I'm going to read a story of a young lady who, who that actually was her story. I'll finish the scripture here. Um, Go bear fruit, fruit that lasts, and so that whatever you ask in the name of the Father... In my name, the Father will give you, this is my command, love each other. Father, we love you. And Lord, the encouragement from our our Savior, the Master Jesus, is that we would love each other. And Father, love can take on a whole different scope depending on people's definition of love. So, Father, I pray that you would once again unlock our understanding and help us see and define love like you define love. Father, I pray that even though I got a bunch of notes on screen here, Father, I pray that I can recognize your Holy Spirit speaking through me. And Lord, I pray that this message ministers to every single person in the room, every single person watching online today. In Jesus' name, amen. According to the 2020 census, there are roughly 39,046 people who live in Mays County, Oklahoma. According to the 2020 census. Uh, That's a little bit down from the 2010 census, which was 42,000 people. And so we're down to 39,046 people. Um, Of those 39,046 people, nearly... Um, 23,000 of them show some form of an affiliation with, you know, religion of some form, shape, fashion, you know. It's people who go to church at least once a year, and it's people who go to church every weekend. Like, they're counting everybody. And it's just any form of religion. Like, they, they I mean, it's, it's Christians, it's Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, CrossFitters, 
religious, I mean, ever, it's like all of them, like all the religions are, are, are wrapped up in this number. So uh, this is the number that makes me um, a little bit caught off guard because here we are in Oklahoma, the Bible belt, the belt buckle of the Bible belt, and we still have roughly 20,000 people who don't have any kind of a relationship with Jesus Christ in our county. 20,000 people-ish. And again, of, of the 23 that was mentioned, how many of them are allowing the Word of God to actually transform their life? We have a call. We have a call. Your Place Church, our mission statement is to reach, connect, and equip people to live this. To not just punch a clock on the weekend. To not just say I'm a Christian. Not, to, to not just... Be, it's not behavioral adjustments. It's like, this is my life. And it reminds me of a story. I, I read this story about a young lady um, who, her and her family, were missionaries to Mexico. And she was writing this story, and she says, when I was 24 years old, I hit a very dark place when an unexpected life event happened. We would call it the wall. And she hit this very dark place. There, were a, there are a variety of reasons why someone would walk away from God, but this is mine. I know people at church meant well, but I was the center of attention when this happened. And I didn't appreciate the pity looks I received, so I actually started missing church and looking for friendships outside of the church. This wasn't a bad thing, but I started joining my newfound friends in well, she calls them ungodly activities. For the first 24 years of my life, I was sheltered. I was, I was homeschooled and dedicated all my free time to assist newcomers in our church, persons in need in hospitals and out on the streets. I had never so much as stepped foot even in a movie theater, and all of a sudden, everything that I'd never done started looking very appealing to me. My dad who was very strict back then, had a serious conversation with me about coming back to church. He was hoping I would snap out of it and told me that I had to pick God or my new friends. And she, she recognizes later that her hardened heart here in this situation. But she looked him square in the eyes and says, I choose my friends. I choose my friends. To which... Um, he replied, give me the key to the house, which I gave it to him. I was gone by morning. Um, my choices went from bad to worse, and my dad came looking for me many times after that, but my heart was hardened. I was severely depressed and became an alcoholic. As soon as I would get out of work, I would drink my life away. This was daily, and weekends were worse because I didn't have to work the next day. After a year of this nonsense, I decided to come back to the States, again, she was, her family lived in Mexico, uh, to finish my education. In the States, not only did I feel depressed, I felt worse anxiety ever. I was, um, I was tired of the life I was living, yet I could not leave my addictions. I felt out of place at church. I even felt out of place in this country. I was from the U.S., but I spent so much time in Mexico that the fast-paced life here was a little too much for me. 
Where I lived, we would only have water supply two or three times a week, so we had to store water in barrels and be frugal with it. Also, washer and dryers were a luxury there. Can you believe that I didn't even know how to, to, to pump gas at the age of 25? It was a very stressful time for me. Alcohol and cigarettes and all the life weren't enough for me anymore. I started sinking deeper into a hole that I, that I myself was digging. There were times that I started to doubt God existed. Then I, then I would remember miracles that I saw in Mexico. I saw someone being raised from the dead. Demons being cast out of a person. I remember God speaking to me, yet I was prideful and needed help getting out. Then I met my now husband. Though he wasn't a believer, he is Mr. Healthy Guy. With a bachelor's degree in kinesiology, which I looked it up, that's the study of human body movements, has a bachelor, bachelor's degree in <laughs> human body movement. He gave me plenty of sermons about drinking and smoking, and I think God started working with me then. But any doubts I had about God disappeared when I got pregnant with my first daughter. How could he not exist when here I was carrying a precious miracle growing inside of me? He literally took my addictions away through my pregnancy and my taste buds changed and I couldn't even stand the smell of cigarettes. I had people praying for my return and I, I, I didn't think I would have made it without their prayers. Finally, I gave myself completely to Christ again in January 2017, a random lady at the library I had been talking with gave me her number before we parted. She continued inviting me to church for about a month. Then one Sunday, I was feeling low and in tears, and these tears were coming down for no reason, and I felt led or impressed to go to church with her that day. The preacher was preaching the story about Mary and Joseph and how they lost Jesus and had to go looking for him. And that story got me. And she says, I gave my life to Jesus Christ and I have not looked back since. Amen. Come on, we can celebrate that. Amen. What's your, what's your point with that whole message, Pastor Darian? A random lady at the library had no idea her story. And every one of us, we have a story. And every one of us, we work with people who have stories. Like they may act or respond a certain way to us in front of us, but we we don't understand their story. I was talking to somebody this week, and they had a very ugly interaction with with, uh, someone who was in their same field and someone who's supposed to be a believer. And my response was, you have no idea what they're going through. Like, what's it like at home? What's it like in their marriage? What are they facing with their children? What was the doctor report they just received? There's a lot of people out here, and every single one of us have a story. So when Jesus says this in John chapter 15, verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And then he says, greater love, has, uh, greater love has, has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. 
Jesus encourages us to lay down our lives. Now, he's not necessarily saying we got to take a bullet for someone, but there is a laying down of our own agenda. There is a laying down of our own desires. There is a laying down of our own schedule to love people. And I know what, I know what people say because I get it all the time. Pastor, I just don't, I just don't know what to say to people. I, I just don't, I don't know how to, I mean, we're all told like we're supposed to be the light, you know, in the darkness. We're all supposed to be the, the salt of the earth. We're all supposed to share. We're all supposed to tell people about Jesus. But I don't, I don't actually know what to say. I would say this. Start by just telling people your story. You have a story. Just like everybody else has a story, you have a story. And it doesn't have to be an ugly story. Can I tell you my story? <laughs> like, I've never been drunk. I've never, I've never done any kind of a drug. I've had two girlfriends. One of them was in elementary school. The other one I married. Okay, like it's not a very it's not a very tragic story of, you know, rags to riches or like, you know, scraping from the bottom of the barrel to now here we are. But the one thing I did do was I did hear the message of Jesus Christ. Amen, everyone. And so you don't have to have an ugly story to win people to Christ. I heard the story of I heard the message of Jesus Christ. When that cute curly-headed girl who lived around the corner from me invited me to church. I, I, didn't, I didn't have her. I, I was not a bad person, but I still was dying and going to hell because I did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen, everyone? When she brought me to her church, she brought me to her youth group, I started listening about the goodness of God, and I found out that it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance, not hell, fire, and brimstone. Like, yes, is there a place for those messages? Well, yeah, because there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. But she invited me to this, to this place where I could begin to hear the goodness of God and found out that God's not mad at me, that he actually loves me. He has a plan for me. I, I, I signed up and I went on a missions trip at the age of 17. And it was, at, it was in the, the Navajo Reservation in, in Tuba City, Arizona, that I heard God call me into the ministry. I didn't even, I was barely saved, and I knew I had a calling in my life. And because of that one yes, the yes to Jesus and the yes to live my life for him, your place church is here today. And last weekend, we had nearly 20 people say yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen, everyone. You just got to tell your story. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Verse 14, he uses a different analogy. You are the light of the world. You are. The light that's on the inside of you is the light of the world. As long as we have people who walk around this dark, dark planet with the light and the hope of Jesus Christ on the inside of them, we are the light. Amen, everyone? We are the light. And everybody looks at the light. Everybody looks towards the source of the light. 
I was in youth ministry once, and we were in this room, and I shut the lights off, and I had one little random light. Everybody was like, of course, teenagers. They were all screaming. But anyway, it was completely dark in this place. We even covered the exit signs. I'm sure that was a fire code violation, but we covered the exit signs because I didn't want any light in the room at all. Uh, we, we shut all the lights off, so there was no lights coming in under the door, and I wanted to prove a point. And we shut the lights off, and I had a little, I had a little you know, remember those little uh, keychain lights? I had one of those, and I walked around, and nobody could see me, and then I'd turn a light on, beep, and everybody would go, right? And then I'd turn it off, and I'd, I'd sneak around, and nobody would hear me, and then I would go, beep, and everybody would go, why? Because people are looking for light. They're looking for light. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. And listen, friends, this, this world is full of darkness, and there is no hope outside of Jesus Christ. And so what is, what is, what is Jesus encouraging us in this message in John chapter 15? Like, be the light. Share your story. And I wanted to make it super easy for you guys to share your story. Last week, I, I, I was looking for a show of hands of people who, uh, if I gave you $100, would you take another couple out uh, to dinner and just share your story with them? And we had a few people raise their hands. And uh, honestly, we only had just a, like a couple of people sign up. I think I scared everybody off when I was like, I want to know who they are. <laughs> like, tell me who you're inviting like, I'm going to follow up with them, friend them on Facebook. You know what I mean? No. And, I, and so no one signed up. You know, only like two people signed up for that. So I'm going to back it off just a little bit, okay? If you are a couple and you know of another couple who, now, there's some criteria. Maybe this is why nobody signed up. The criteria is, I mean, obviously you can't just take your spouse out for dinner, Okay. You can't use the $100 and fill up your gas tank by you some groceries. I, if that's the case, I hope you stop at a gas station with water in the gas. Never mind, never mind, never mind. No. But here's the thing. I want you to, I actually want you to think about this, and I want you to pray about this. And, and, and they can't be someone else that goes to your place, church. They're going to be here anyway. Okay? Find someone who doesn't. And ideally, they don't go to church anywhere. They don't even know if they believe in Jesus. But they have a relationship that is, that is on the rocks. And then I want you to say, hey, listen, my wife and I or my husband and I, we want to take you to dinner. And then take them to dinner. And you got to do it this week because the, the series starts next week. And so I'm paying you $100 to go to dinner with somebody and then I've even given you a script of how to start the conversation. Are you ready? When you guys sit down. And listen, if, you, if you're not going to take the, the $100 gift card, cool, cool. Like, especially if you can afford it. Like, just do it anyway, okay? <laughs> just do it anyway. Um, but like, when you invite someone out to dinner this week, whoever it is, when you invite another couple out for dinner this week, or you guys stop and have coffee, or you have them over to your house, uh, just start asking questions. Hey, how, how, how are you guys? Because what the one unique thing about human nature is we like to talk about ourselves. We like to talk about ourselves. Hey, how are you guys? And they will share. 
Now, some people will overshare, and you need to know it's not as bad as they say it is, but some people will undershare, and it's actually much, much worse than they say it is. And this is where we have to trust the Holy Spirit just to kind of lead us in this moment. And when you have this, this, this couple or these friends or whoever in your living room or at dinner, just stop during the conversation. After you, know, you get past the how, how are things, say, how's this working? Just ask them. And a lot of people don't want to do this because they don't think this is working right. Well, this is working a lot better than that's working. Amen? And so you just, you just do it. Just allow the Lord to use you. How's this working, right? Talking about their relationship or their marriage. And then look for a common ground to bridge to Scripture or to, to bridge to your own personal story. For instance, if they're like, we just can't seem to have a conversation without it ending in a fight. You take that opportunity to go, yeah, I remember those days. I remember those days. Here's what we did. And then just tell them your story. Just tell them your story. Talk about how you and your spouse started doing the marriage journal. Talk about how you started taking ownership over your own thoughts and over your own words. Tell them that the two happiest people in the world are two selfless people in love. But tell them that the two most miserable people in the world are two selfish people in love. They're selfish, but they're in love. And then give them an example how you're doing this. Tell them how to fight well. If, if every conversation ends up in a fight, tell them how to fight well. How do you fight well? You don't interrupt. Like if, you're, if your spouse is having a conversation, they're telling you how they feel. You don't just interrupt. You, you seek first to understand, then be understood. You hear things from their perspective. And then tell them how Jesus, and honestly, a group of people that worship together, changed your life. Amen, everyone? Amen. Tell them how praying together works. And then pause and let them ask questions. You want me to let them ask me questions? Yes. You don't have to have the answer to every question. The only thing you're doing in this moment is creating a safe place where they feel safe to ask questions. Amen, everyone? Just let them ask questions and then tell them straight up. You don't have to sugarcoat anything. If it's not always pleasant in your relationship, tell them, hey, listen, it's not always awesome. This is not always awesome, but we're making it work because we believe in what God is doing in us. And then, friends, can I tell you something? Never let the story be so ugly that you're like, I don't know what to do for you, okay? Like, leave them with hope. I give you permission to be hope dealers. You're hope dealers this week. And it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how ugly it sounds. It doesn't matter how scary it sounds. It doesn't matter how many times this person has said or done this. There's always hope. I can tell you, I can look through this audience and tell you people with stories that it did not look well, and here they are serving Jesus Christ. Amen, everyone? Come on. Praise God. Point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. And then we handed out those invites. They're right here on the chairs. Right here is a few of them. 
Just hand them an invite and invite them to this series next week. This is the easiest series all year that we do to invite people to because they don't even have to believe in God to, to be interested in this. They just need help. I just need help with him. I just need help with her. I just need help with my kids. It's a relationship series, not just a marriage series. Amen, everyone? This whole thing, when Jesus is saying, lay down your life, again, doesn't mean you have to take a bullet, but it does mean we have to care. And I can remember, I mean, I've got friends of mine right now that worship with us right here at Your Place Church. And I'm thinking of one couple, like, she would, she's come for years, and he just, he just was never interested in being a part he was invited to more worship services, more events, more life groups than anybody in Mays County. Like everybody was after him, right? But one day, he showed up to one. Come on, there's a, there's a testimony. Don't stop inviting people. One day, he showed up to one. And then, um, you know, he'll tell you it wasn't anything that just changed his life, but then people kept inviting him. And next thing you know, he's showing up to a service here and there. Next thing you know, he's a part of a life group. Next thing you know, he realized this whole thing, this epiphany that maybe it wasn't you, maybe it's me. Maybe you're not the problem, maybe I'm the problem. And I'm telling you, that one thought changed everything for him. Gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Now they are... They are in love. They are serving Jesus. They have goals. They have hopes. They have dreams. Jesus is real. Amen, everyone? So how can we say we love people if we won't even tell them what we know? My second thought is simply this. How can we say we love people if we won't walk them through life? Wait. First, you want me to tell them my story? Now I'm expected to walk them through life? Yes. John chapter 15, verse 3. Greater love is, uh, has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. People need to know what you know. They need to walk with you. You need to walk them. They need Jesus right now. In the culture that we live in, they need someone who's living this life to walk them through it. In a culture that's screaming at them, that's watering down God's word, they need someone who's going to be consistent. Last February, we did a series called Come and See. I don't know if you remember it or not. It's on the, you can go watch it. It was a great series. But it came from John chapter 1, verse 35. John was standing with two of his followers. Jesus walked by. When John saw him, he said, look, this is God's lamb. The two followers heard what John said, so they went after Jesus. Jesus turned. He saw them coming after him, and he said to them, what are you looking for? They said, teacher, where do you live? Pretty bold question, right? Jesus said, come and see. Jesus had a life. He had a destination. He had things he had to do. But when people slowed down and was like wanting to be a part of his life, he didn't just say, hey, I'll see you on the weekend. He's like, hey, come on over. Come on over. Come do life with me. Let me do life with you. They went and saw the place where Jesus was staying. The time was about four o'clock in the afternoon. They stayed with Jesus the rest 
of the day. And if we're going to be honest, that's what we're afraid of. <laughs> we're afraid of that right there. If I get these people into my house, they're never going to leave, right? But it's the best thing for them. They need to see what a happy marriage looks like. They need to see how the appropriate way to discipline children. They need to see you praying with your kids at night, right before you put them in bed. They need to hear how you navigate life, how you navigate situations. When Jesus said, hey, come and see, he wanted to, he wanted to bring people along into his life. We think about the time invested. Jesus looks forward to the opportunity, which let me encourage you in this. Our, our life group season is getting ready to fire back up here in September. There are some of you, you're done attending life groups. It's time for you to lead a life group. It is time for you to lead a life group. And at, at the very least, co-lead a life group. Because we're looking for people. Every single weekend of this series coming up, there's going to be people going, hey, can you, can you point me in the direction of someone who can help? Yes, here's a list of life groups. Which night do you have available? And people are like, well, I just I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't, I don't, I've never led a life group. We will teach you. August the 20th, we have a life group leaders training. And we'll put the cookies on the bottom shelf for you. So everybody gets one. Everybody gets a cookie, okay? And we're going to teach you how to do it. And what you're going to find out is probably one of the most fulfilling things you can do in life right now is just host a life group. You don't even have to be the one that teaches. We've got curriculum. You just put it on the TV and let the guy teach, and then you facilitate questions. What'd you think? What'd you think? What'd you think? Anybody want a refill? Right, literally, it's that easy. It's that easy. But what you're doing is you're creating a space for people to do life with you. Amen, everyone? And then our life group rendezvous is August the 27th. That's when we set up all the life groups in the foyer. And over and we splash, we might have to splash out in the kids' check-in area. I think it would be stinking awesome if this rendezvous, we had life group tables in the foyer and kids' check-in all along the mezzanine up there because we have so many life groups waiting for people to be a part of them. Amen, everyone? I'm excited about it. Skip down to John chapter uh, 1, verse 43. The next day, Jesus, is, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, come with me. Philip was from Bethesda. Bethsaida, a town where Andrew and Peter lived. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one whom Moses wrote about in the book of the law and whom the prophets also wrote about. He is Jesus, son of Joseph, Joseph from Nazareth. Verse 46. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathanael asked. What did he say? Come and see. Come and see. Every, every time we get in relationships with people and they have questions, the best thing to respond is just come and see. Come and be a part for yourself. Walking people through life is never going to be convenient. But I'm telling you, it is the most lasting thing in eternity that you will ever, ever do. How can we say we love people if we don't share our story? And Jesus encourages us to lay down our 
own life. Amen, everyone? Remember your story? Who was it for you? Who grabbed you by the hand? Who walked you through life? Who discipled you? Who, who was there? Who was your safe place where you could ask and answer questions? Because we've all got them. Chances are there was somebody. How come you stuck? How come you made it? How come you're here today? It's, chances are there was somebody in your life that you felt safe enough with that you could have some conversations. Back to John chapter 15, and we'll wrap this up. Verse 16. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit and fruit that lasts. Friends, that's what it's all about. It's fruit that remains. And then he goes on to say this. So that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. Whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Think about the couple that lives down the street from you or next door in the apartment in the same complex. Think about the guy that works in the cubicle down the aisle from yours. Think about the person who is on the next line at the plant. Think about them. And when you're praying, pray for them. And your prayer doesn't have to be elaborate. It is, Lord, I pray that they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's it. And then what happens is the Bible says, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Who else is praying for them? Who else cares about them? I talk to our dream teamers all the time. There is no other place in the world where people can come and genuinely feel like people genuinely want them there. Then right here. Then right here. Some of these people, they go home. They, no one there genuinely wants them there. Some of them. They go to work. No one genuinely wants them there. But when they come here, and there's a group of people like this that light up when they walk through the door and they feel like, I, those people genuinely want me here. Those people genuinely care about me. It does something to you. And my last thought is simply this. How can we say we love people if we don't make sure they remain? So wait, I have to do life with them? And then I have to be the ones responsible that they remain? <laughs> the church is not going to be the one that does that. The preacher is not going to be the one that does that. It's going to be us. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Amen, everyone? You know how I made it? I'll tell you how I made it. 17 years old, I start going to a youth group. I give my life to Jesus Christ, but I am full of questions. Full of questions. Like, why did Jesus have to die? That didn't even make sense to me. And I had someone in my life, in this case was my girlfriend. I don't recommend missionary style dating <clears throat> because um, it doesn't always work as good as it did with me. Um, 
But honestly, we were friends long before we were dating. We were friends long before we were dating. And so I would ask her questions. What, what about the Holy Spirit? I don't understand. How come God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, I don't understand how they all work together. And she shared with me the pie illustration, how it's all different, unique pieces of the same pie. And I, I can remember being in a prayer service and people were praying and it was like they were praying in Spanish or Italian or something. I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. And she, I, I would go and I would ask her, what, why do I hear people praying in a different language sometime? And she was the one that taught me what it meant to be filled with the Spirit and to pray in the Spirit. And then I would make stupid kind of teenager type decisions. And she would be the one who says, you know what? The Bible says we're probably not supposed to do that. She was the one that discipled me. And I've been thinking about this now over 30 years of ministry. Who was the one person that invested in me? It was her. But we all have to have someone. We all have to get, and, and here's the thing. We all have a Paul in our life, someone who's pouring into us. We all have a, a Barnabas in, my, in our life, someone that's equal with us, some, a friend that we're just doing life with. And we all have a Timothy, someone we're investing into, someone that we're sharing the good news to. And they're around. we got a world full of them. To disciple someone, a disciple sounds like a big churchy word, literally is someone who's to spend time, dedicated time with, to pray for, to build a friendship with, and inten intentionally teach them how to grow in their faith. That's what it means to be a disciple. Fruit that remains falls more on us as individuals than it does the responsibility of the church. Amen, everyone? So here's my question for all of us this weekend. What if you are the person at the library? What if, what if you're the person who had no idea what a young lady or a young man was going through? What if you were the person who, for whatever reason, the guy at the gym, <clears throat> the person in the next cubicle, right? The couple you see walking down the street every night. What if, what if you were the person that God wants to use to invite them into a relationship with Jesus Christ? Amen, everyone? I'm just encouraging you this week, step out, invite people, get them here this weekend because Jesus has got a plan for all of them and he wants to use you to do it. And if we have to bring out more chairs, we'll bring out more chairs. If we have to park in the grass, we'll park in the grass. Amen, everyone. If you get here and you have to park in the grass, will you promise not to be mad and just park in the grass? Is that okay? If you get here and someone's sitting in your chair, can you just not be mad? Can you just be excited that there are people coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Amen? Amen? <laughs> we'll see how this works next week. Father, we love you. <clears throat> God, help us to get outside of our selfish worlds. Help us to get outside of our lives. Help us to recognize, Father God, that there is a lost and dying world out there. And for one reason and one reason only, because we have the light of Jesus Christ living on the inside of us, we 
are the light of the world. And Father, we're giving you permission to orchestrate some conversations this week. Father, as we, as we have dinner or lunch, sit down over coffee, invite some people over to the house, whatever that looks like. Father, we give you permission to orchestrate some conversations in our life. Father God, I, I pray that the Holy Spirit speaks through the people of your place church this week. I pray that the Holy Spirit brings things to their remembrance. And Lord, even though questions that come could be hard and we may or may not know the answers to those questions, Father, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us brings things back up to our remembrance, gives us the right words to encourage our friends, our coworkers. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us this week. Father, I pray for every single one of these uh, coffee appointments or just living room encounters, front porch conversations. Father, I pray that every single one of them are saturated in your presence and in, in, your, in your glory, Father. Lord, I thank you that, that you're already working on the hearts of people this week. Father, you already see the end from the beginning. You know what's going to happen as a result of this conversation. You already see them saved and filled with the Spirit. You already see them with their relationship healed. Father God, you already see them walking in the fulfillment of the calling that you've placed on their lives. And it all hinges on this one conversation this week. So Father, I thank you for that. We thank you for our part that we have to play in that. And Lord, we trust you for it right now that over the next several weeks right here at Your Place Church, Lord, it's much more than a relationship series. God, this is a, it's harvest time in Mays County. Father, we're just not okay with nearly 20,000 people not having a relationship with you. We're not okay with that. Father, we're giving you permission to use us this week in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen.